If you have your Bibles this morning, if you could open them up to Titus, our text this morning is Titus chapter 3. Um, over the summer months, starting probably on Father's Day, we, I have been addressing a number of different kind of contemporary issues that we've been facing as a people of God, as a as a culture, and last week we spoke on identity, and um, and this morning we're going to use Titus chapter three to talk about how uh, we engage our culture, and so Paul writes to this interim pastor, and he writes like three chapters to him. That's the way it's ordered in in our English Bibles. And in the first chapter, he tells Titus, these are the qualifications um, for leadership in the church. These are the the qualifications for elders in the church. And then in chapter 2, he kind of splits it. He says, like, this is the way relationships in the church should work. This is what they should look like. And he begins to express the gospel of of Jesus Christ and the impact that that gospel has on relationships and leadership in the life of the church. Then he comes to chapter 3, and chapter 3 is all about how to engage culture their culture, of their day. One of the beautiful, beautiful things about the Word of God, the Scriptures, the Bible that we have, is that it transcends and speaks to every generation, every culture. And so what we're going to find in Titus chapter 3 is how do we engage our culture today. Because our culture is becoming more intense, more conflicted, and I, for one, have been reacting to that. What should be my words? What should be my behavior? You can, if you want to step into that, you could ask yourself that question. In the midst of today's culture, what should be your words to your neighbor? What should be your behavior? On Thursday, my doorbell rang. Nancy goes, there's someone at the door open the door, and I don't want to go into too many details because I don't want to politicize what I'm about to say. But it was a person who wanted to know how I was going to vote on a particular issue. He said, are you going to do this? And I said, no. And he was 
Why? And I told him. And it didn't go well after that. And I found myself taking the bait. And I found myself getting angry. Ooh, pastor shouldn't get angry. And then I found myself repenting <laughs> and saying, oh, Lord, why, why couldn't I have responded a, a different way? And, and Nancy was kind of like up on the stairs hiding in the bedroom. But she heard it all, and I said, I, I am like so, like, wrong. And she said, yes. <laughs> and I said, I really need to repent. She goes, yes. <laughs> and I repented, and, she, and, I, and I was still, like, kicking myself. And she goes, look, you repented. You're forgiven. But I'd like to see you repent a little bit more. See, how we, how we act, what we say, how we do, has a direct impact upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Has a direct impact on our witness as the people of God. And I want you to thoroughly understand that I am grieved of heart offended to my core of many of the things that are going on in our culture. First service didn't take me up on it, but do you want to know all those things? No. But what should we do? How should we respond to government? How should we respond to our neighbors. That's chapter three. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. The Christ-centered anthems and hymns and songs, it, 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 our hearts longed to know you more and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for wooing us. I pray, Lord, that as we look at your word this morning that you would speak to us. You would help us. You do a work in our heart and in our lives, I pray. In Christ's name. Amen. Take a look at it with me. We're in Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Titus, Paul says to Titus, Remind the people. The word here for remind, it's not simply like an intellectual buzz, like, I got it. I made a note of that. The sense of the reminder is, is an imperative. It's, it's a continuous action. It's something that we want to keep at the forefront of our, of our mind, of our heart. 
And what Titus is to remind them of in the language gets more strong as we go through the chapter. Paul says to Titus, you're to insist upon it. In other words, you're to give the people no wiggle room. You're to insist upon these instructions. Now, anytime as a pastor you get to insisting things, it's like putting your neck on the block, you know? It's quite a challenge to insist upon anything in church life. But Paul writes to Titus, have courage and remind the people. And what he's going to remind them of in verses 1 and verses 2, he's going to remind them in verse 1 of their obligation to government. And then in, and then in 2, verse 2, he's going to remind them of what their speech should be like in the midst of that context of government and in the midst of the context of their community. In verse 1, he says, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Now, I don't know, I don't know your personality, but the surest way for me to get my back up is to tell me, you must do this. Yeah, it only takes a minute. You must fill in the blank. Oh, who, who are you to tell me that? Well, I'm your wife. You got to do it. Now, obedience, as we've looked at in previous weeks, to government is not absolute. We could look at Acts chapter 5, verse 29. I think it's Peter and John are there, and they say, you will not preach the gospel. And Peter and John said, ha, no, we will obey who? God, not man. And so our obedience to government is not absolute, but it is for the common good. And Jeremiah 29 we see Jeremiah writing a letter to the people of God who are in captivity where? In Babylon. And that culture is depraved. That culture is abhorrent to the people of God. And what Jeremiah writes to the people of God in the midst of captivity, he says this to them. Pray for the city, for their welfare, because in praying for their welfare, it will benefit your welfare. Talk about a paradox. It's the same way with Jesus. Jesus says to love your enemies and forgive them. So the disciples go, whoa, there's got to be a limit on that. Can you say yes to that? There's got to be a limit of my neighbor blowing his leaves into my yard after I raked or getting out his foolish, loud snow machine, snowblower, and after I dug out my car, he's blowing his snow around. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, no, it's not seven times seven, it's what? 
It can't be. It can't be. It's a paradox. That when we pray for our Babylon, for its welfare, it will be unto us for our welfare? We mean we are to forgive and love our enemies, and if they transgress us, we're to forgive them on an unlimited basis? I don't think so. But it's true. When we don't forgive, we place ourselves where? In bondage. And in forgiving, we find freedom and joy. Titus is to remind the people to obey. It's not, has qualifications to it. And their remedy, the remedy for opposing governmental institutions is what? What's the remedy? What does the text say? And to do good works. Are you kidding? No. That the remedy for confronting government and confronting cultural institutions is to work for the common good and to serve through good works. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of man is the opposite. It's to attack. It's to disparage. It's to in insist upon a right. The kingdom of God is just the opposite. It's sacrifice. It's service. It's laying down one's life for your brother. It's loving people that are unlovable. It's forgiving people. It's a, it's, a, it's a totally different kingdom. And it makes no sense outside of the redemptive work of Christ. There's no power to do it outside of transformation, outside of regeneration. There's no desire, there's no will, there's no power to do it. Second verse is extraordinary in the context when you consider verse 1. Look at verse 2. To speak evil of no one. Well, that's my right. No, the Word of God says to speak evil of no one. How many... Don't raise your hand. Well, I, I think, yeah, you should raise your hand because I'll, I'll have a reward for you. <laughs> How many people have that verse underlined in their Bible? You do? I am really cheap. Good job. It's to speak evil of no one. Did I do that Thursday night? No. No. 
And it didn't produce anything well. Didn't it produce righteousness? Look at the verse. It's to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling. Now, my ethnic background is, is Irish. And we, as a people, love sarcasm. And we love arguing. We find joy in it. We find joy going to the family reunion and just getting under their skin. But it's not of God. My arguing with this man who rang my doorbell, I certainly gave him a piece of my mind. I would like to get that piece back. But my quarreling didn't change him, and it certainly diminished me. Quarreling, text goes on, to be gentle, how's this? And to show perfect courtesy, perfect courtesy to all people. The response to culture institutions within our culture is to work for the common good. And we express working to the common good by doing good works. How we speak and act towards people has a direct bearing on our witness. Paul says this in Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. James says this in James 1:26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, Deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. I am so concerned about the polarization that's happening in our culture. My anxiety level. Somebody's going to say, doesn't the Bible say, Pastor, don't be angry and don't be anxious for nothing but every prayer and supplication? It does. My anxiety level is high. Because if, if we as the people of God can't obey God's word and can't serve and speak words of grace, and words of gentleness, how will the people ever hear about Jesus? The, the man on Thursday night didn't hear about Jesus from me. He offended me deeply, and I told him so. But it didn't do any good. What if I would have said to him, you know, you're, 
you're, you have a heart for a good outcome, can I pray for you? What would have happened? What if I said, <laughs> this is kind of joking here, so hold on. What if I prayed for him and then started speaking in tongues? <laughs> would I have got a better outcome? Certainly, I would have. Yeah. Yeah, I would have got a better outcome. Would I have changed him? Maybe yes, maybe no. But would I have changed my own heart? Yes. And that is why Jesus says to forgive your enemies. Because it changes our heart. Makes us more like Christ. Makes us a dispenser of grace in our culture. Come back to the text with me. For we ourselves were once like the guy who rang the doorbell. We ourselves, um, oh, oh, hold on. Come with, come with me to, to Ephesians. Paul says it really well here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. He uses the word remember. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth. I'm in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. And here's what I have underlined in my Bible. Having no hope and without God. No hope and without God. We were that way. We were, back to Titus, we, we were ourselves once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice, wanting to do evil, and envy, wanting what we don't have, hatred by others, and hating one another. That is who we were. But we don't believe it. We don't, we don't, we don't want to own that. That's what we once were. People that are unregenerated, don't know Christ. Why does it surprise us that they're not morally pure and righteous? Why? Because they haven't experienced a three-letter word that Paul uses over and over again. It begins with B. It's the word what? But. But. But God but Jesus, but grace, but regeneration, but the washing of the Holy Spirit, but justification, but sanctification. Come to the text. Verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, 
not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that by being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist upon it, insist on these things that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to what? Good works. 1 Corinthians 15.10, the Apostle Paul says this, that he is what he is, fill in the blank for me, he is, I am what I am by the And the grace of God has such an impact upon my life. I wanted to do even more. Good works is not based upon some desire to gain approval from God. Good works is the fruit that we'll learn about of abiding in the vine, John 15. It's a natural thing that comes out of the believer. Good works. How do we engage our culture? We work for the common good. We use our tongue to bless. And we proclaim the amazing work of Jesus Christ to bring salvation to those who don't know God and to bring forgiveness. Look how Titus kind of grabs a hold of this and brings it together at the end of verse 8. Say it with me. These things are excellent and profitable for people, whether they be saved or unsaved Christian or not. Our, Our country... It's a mess. And I've been saying this for months. November's coming. Will we be the people of God? Downstairs we have our kiddos. What are we teaching them over the next four weeks? Last week and the three weeks. How to be a peacemaker in their culture in second grade and fourth grade and fifth grade how to speak words of the kingdom the gospel how to be a bringer of reconciliation between God and man that is why we are our ambassadors pleading to be reconciled to Christ that's our job That's our calling. That's what we offer to the community. And my great concern for us is that if we do not obey God's word, we will bring that in here. And that is no good. It's Ichabod. His presence has departed. Let us be the people of God. 
Let us be a people that is Christ-centered. Let us be proclaimers of the gospel. Let us work for the common welfare because, as Jeremiah tells us, let us pray for the welfare of the community, for in doing so, it will be our welfare and our blessing. And let us be engaged in good works, not because we're trying to get merit, merits, but because the, Jesus has so transformed our life that we are a servant and we are looking to bless people with the love and the acceptance and the forgiveness that we've received from Jesus Christ. This is what turned the world upside down. In the early church, when they were practicing infanticide, all throughout the Roman Empire, the Christians were the ones that went out and took those babies off the dung heap, off the garbage heap, tried to rescue them, tried to revive them. And when they couldn't revive them, they gave them a decent burial. You can look it up, Google it, catacombs, rows and rows of little babies that didn't make it. And then many, many that were saved and brought in to Christian homes and raised up to love God. We are at such a pivotal moment, not just for our community, but for our own hearts. Will we give our hearts to become more like Christ and love God and love people? We're at that juncture. Our culture offers us hatred and division. That is not the kingdom of God. Let us be those people that when our neighbors are cursing each other, we bless. Let us be that people when our neighbors are insisting upon their rights that we serve. Let us, as Peter tells us, walk in the steps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our call. Paul says to Titus, insist upon it. Why? Because it brings glory to Jesus and his kingdom and benefits us with his peace and his joy this side of heaven. You say amen? Three, four. You say yes? Yes. Let's have Ben and this lovely worship team come and close us today. Thank you for coming today. Probably not what you expected. I'll have a nice little diddly sermon next week. Bring much comfort and peace to you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for watching online. May God empower us by His Spirit to work for...
the kingdom of God. 